0: It's at time again to go beyond the jive. Jive, 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 jive. Join our hosts, John Swan and Natalie B. Brave the state of beginning to reap the sweet rewards. All you hive jive junkies out there, this is the Hive The Hive, hive Jive. jive.
1: Howdy, everybody. Hey. <laughs> Welcome to the ongoing saga of the beeless beekeeper. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's not me, because I'm hoarding those babies. <laughs> That's true.
1: She's a hoarder. That's I'm a, right. a wanter, but not a haver at the moment. <laughs> um, I will give a, a little update. So today's episode is partially a venting session, but it, it's because there's some little things in there that make me question. So when I bounced them off Natalie to see if I got the same reaction, she kind of went down the same path I did. So I thought it was kind of an interesting, Yeah, it's not even really a theoretical example. Now we're, we are speculating, but it does make very good sense. And a lot of people could find themselves into this situation, both on my end and on the other end so the the consumer the purchasers end and the sellers end as well the the producers so um just a little few things to think about but i will say that it rained for the last week down here constantly which comes into play in part of the story but on saturday and sunday were the first days that the sun was actually going to come out And you know, in one of these previous episodes, we talked about intuitive or instinctual beekeeping. Well, one of the things that I know and that I have experienced is that after several days of rain, when the bees have all been cooped up in the spring, they feel congested regardless if they really are or not. And while they're in there, they go ahead and start all of the swarm tasks and they start creating swarm cells because they feel congested. The foragers can't get out. They can't leave. Everybody's in there taking up space. It's overheating. There's a lot of humidity in the air because of all the rain and the moisture coming down. And the first sunny day you have, they start sending out scouts. If not outright sending out the entire swarm party on day one, as soon as the sun breaks free. So I use this to my advantage and I put up extra swarm traps. And all day yesterday, there were bees actively scouting every Yay. one of the swarm traps.
0: So you might be getting bees despite your provider.
1: I may not be a beeless beekeeper for long, by oh, golly. Um, that's
0: right. You make now, it happen.
1: That's true. Now, the fact that every single one of the swarm traps has scouts at it, doesn't mean that you're going to get bees at every swarm trap they literally could all be scouts from the exact same colony and they will pick one if i'm lucky one of those hives to move into now there could also be other hives out there that could also be scouting those properties as well vetting them for viability um so best case scenario i end up with more than one um you know but hey one is better than none
0: (laughs) Hey, if the real estate market is hot in your area, then maybe you'll get some bees. Right? I'm trying,
1: man. I'm trying. I've I'm putting stuff up. I've got all kinds of, like I started getting desperate. I took so, <laughs> I took the uh the Jay-Z easy beasy nuke boxes. You, oh,
0: you're really desperate to get cat with that.
1: I turned it on its end. We've coated them so that they're dark so that the sunlight doesn't come through them. I've taped over the holes so that it's not ventilated everywhere, inverted it so the entrance is actually facing down and started strapping those up on trees and stuff as well. Because I was like, I'm going to maximize my chance. I've got every piece of woodenware that I own out there with bait comb in it. I'm using old nuke boxes. I'm using the plastic corrugated boxes. You (laughs) name it. I'm putting it in a freaking tree. There you
0: go. Did you have comb and things to bake with and everything, right?
1: I did, yeah. I had a bunch of uh, Langstroth stuff that was up on top of the hotel that had kind of melted. So it doesn't really matter what orientation it's at. And my thought with the nuke boxes with the the corrugated plastic ones was that if I hang them up and I invert them long ways, I have a frame in there so that they've got the wax and they can smell it. But I don't intend on them to build like that. I intend on them to attach on the top and build down natural comb. And then I can untape that sucker and open up that door and just do a cutout and straight into a top bar.
0: That's great. That's a great plan. And But you haven't told us exactly why you're so desperate for your bees.
1: No. So we have talked about the fact that I did put in an order for bees that was supposed to come this spring. They were originally supposed to be here in April. Well, that's come and gone. Um, when we finally did get an update, which was from me pestering the cellar, we found out that the bees were probably not going to be here till mid or late May. Well, as I just mentioned, we've got a lot of rain and we had so much rain. We had over eight inches of rain within about a 24 to 36 hour period Main Street downtown turned into a river. And wow. yeah, it was massive. But we ended up getting a message from the seller stating that there had been flooding at the apiary and she would not know what the actual result of the damages were until sometime this week. And that was a huge bummer. But me and my, the way that my mind works, I stopped and I was like, now, wait a minute. If, if, and I, I did this by putting myself in into the same shoes, right?
0: There if, are more clues, though.
1: There, are there are, there were more clues. So the first message that we got was just straight up. There's been flooding at the apiary, but within that message, it said, "I won't know the full extent of the damages until later next week." Right. And this was last week on Friday morning, I think that the that the message came through after the the torrential rains the night before, and so right off the bat, I was like, "Well." why would you not know the extent of the damages until next week? If it was my apiary and it flooded, as soon as it stopped raining, my butt's going to be out there checking my hives to see see what damage. Yeah. See what damage has been done. Salvage what I can, even if the water is still out there, picking up boxes, moving them to higher ground, whatever I've got to do to make sure that I can minimize my losses and everything's okay. So for them to just be like, well, we won't know until next week. I'm like, but but today it's not raining and tomorrow's going to be sunny. So how is it going to be a week before you're going to know? Right. So that started me thinking, well, then people in this message thread start reaching out and saying, hey, I live in this area. I would be more than happy to come and help whatever you need. And she had multiple people reach out and say they are willing to come help out in this issue. Every single one of them got a, oh, no, it's OK, like just a total lighthearted brush off, which I also found kind of strange. Mm -hmm. And then she responded back and said something along the lines of, well, you know, depending on what the outcome is, we may just have to issue refunds. And I was like, man, that really sucks. I have been waiting all winter and all spring for bees. Everything is finally leafed out. Everything's in bloom and we're rolling into May and now you're, you know, originally you were even making it sound like it was going to be the end of May. Now it's, you don't even know if it's going to be or not. And so it was a very frustrating situation, but when we went through and we talked about it, you had some, some thoughts that made a lot of good sense on what really may be going on.
0: My first thought was she oversold herself and now she's backing out of some of the orders. She'd rather refund than put her bees through that pressure because when you and I know the industry of beekeeping and selling bees, and we have done it a little bit, I mean, I haven't done a lot of it, um, but I, I know you have some some past uh, selling um, some of those uh, nukes, the top bar nukes especially, right? And mm-hmm. you're doing it a little bit differently from a lot of people that sell bees. Most people will take orders and then they will fulfill the orders what happens when you do that is that you're putting yourself under a lot of pressure not really knowing you're betting that you're going to be able to split your bees the weather's going to cooperate and you're going to be able to deliver your your nukes on time and that puts the seller under a whole lot of pressure Uh, anything can happen this is farming weather is a huge part of the equation And in your case, you, if I remember well, decided that you were not going to take pre-orders. You would just make the nukes that you had ready to go available for sale, not putting your bees and yourself under the pressure of pre-selling anything and then having to either stress your bees, stress yourself, delay your orders, and have poor customer service when you couldn't give them an update because you were desperately waiting for the bees to grow and uh, and then being put in the position of potentially having to refund those orders. So that's something that um, is devastating to people that are counting on those bees to get started that don't yeah. have any other bees. And more than anything else, because if people already have bees, there's ways they can split and they can do all kinds of things. But if it's your first set of bees and you just wanted to get started, then backing out and saying, well, we'll just refund you your money. You've lost much more than, you know, it, even if you get your money back, you've lost those bees in effect.
1: Yeah, you've lost the bees and you've lost the time because now by the time you do find bees, they're going to be in almost the basically the beginning and mid of, middle part of summer. The main nectar flow is if it's still there is going to be at its peak or dwindling and Mm -hmm. you've missed out on all that growth opportunity. So now you're going to put more money into them because you're going to have to feed them potentially to get them to the space that they need to be at so that they can successfully overwinter. And that's if you even are able to find anybody who is selling them. So that's that's a, that's a whole other thing.
0: there. (laughs) That's the thing. Supply and demand. Right. And usually bees get sold out really fast. I don't know how it is in Arkansas, but in Texas, you know that 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 happens, you know, most of the stuff is pre-sold by the time January comes around. And a lot of times by March, everything is sold out. Yep. And so you're left with uh no bees and trying to scramble, trying to find bees everywhere you look, and everything is sold out. And so it's not only late, but you can't even find anything. And if you do, you're either paying a high price, supply demand or you're getting crap bees or both
1: or both a high price for crap bees yeah so I was I was a little uh obviously put off by that whole scenario I know. and if I were not the person that I am and I did not have the experience that I do and have not done this myself as you mentioned when I sell bees so there's there's a couple of ways you can sell bees one of them is you are counting solely on your own stock. The other one is you are buying in bulk from commercial operations, splitting that and selling that out there. Those individuals are usually the ones that have no problems starting to take orders in October of the year before. And they can take hundreds because they're just gonna buy how many ever they need to split. It's not really coming from them. And that that is a telltale sign when you have that up front. The way that I did it was... I would go through and check my colonies. I'd make sure that my parental colonies were doing good to overwinter. And then when I would go through and look at them in January, I would make an initial assumption on how many nukes I thought very, very, very conservatively that I could do. And I would hypothetically say, OK, well, right now, let's just say 10. So it was a very small number. It wasn't 50, wasn't 100, 10. And then I would wait through January until the beginning of February and I would check again and see are they still looking good? Are they still on par? Is everything looking to be the way that I want it to? And if so, I would then release those 10 nukes for sale and I would do it in waves. By the end of February, I might release another 10 or another 15 for sale. And I always had people out there that needed them. So it, as soon as you released them, basically they were gone. You know, People would, would purchase them and Put their deposits down and everything would be good but that's how i tried to take some of the stress off myself because i'm not promising you in november that you're going to get 50 colonies when i don't know what's going to happen over winter like you said mother nature can throw a curveball in there and even now here we are now in may and mother nature has thrown another curveball we didn't get them in april because it was really wet and really cold and temperatures were all over the place so the bees weren't growing as fast as they normally would And then all of a sudden, okay, well, we should get them in May. And now this torrential flooding comes through, and now you're not going to get them. But it's a it's a very tricky situation and scenario. Now, the thing that I also discovered that I found very interesting is this person likes to post on social media. And what they have not posted
0: is about the floods,
1: is about their apiary flooding. They've posted about flooding that happened here in town. They, oddly enough, they like to repost stuff from Texas. So oh, I, will, really? I will see them repost things that our Texas beekeepers have posted, and I'll see that in the thread. But there's not anything in there about, hey, here's an update on my bees at my apiary, and here's the damage and flooding at my apiary. And I found that very lacking, especially if you are somebody that likes to post a lot. So. I, I think it's,
0: it's, I th- it's kind of awkward because um, if you go through the devastation of losing your bees, I don't know who, if, if you're on social media, I don't know who's not going to talk about this.
1: Right. Exactly. Because it's, It is devastating. It is a loss. It's, it's gut wrenching, heartbreaking, you know, and that, that's just like me. I, I post successes. I post failures. I get out there and I'll show you, well, look, this one's dead and here's all the worms crawling around, you know, or look at this beautiful, massive thing. And and there's bees everywhere. And, you know, the queen is all fat and happy, you know, like you, you post all that kind of stuff. Well, they post a lot and they repost a lot, which tells me that they don't have content of their own to post. And if your apiary really did flood, that's content you think you would post it. So you're right.
0: They're lacking in their trying, they're they're reaching out to get stuff to yeah. talk about. That's something huge to talk about. And yeah. you can get support and, and people can come and help out, even if it's not in print. Okay, so there's a concern. Uh, for there's people a, coming in in person. Yeah,
1: there's a and, caveat and, to that part, for sure.
0: Yes, that's right, caveat. And caveat. <laughs> this is a trade <laughs> secret. It's <laughs> an inside joke, y'all. <laughs> um, but that's a trade secret very often for beekeepers that are selling bees or rearing them for commercial purposes. You don't tell other people where your bee yards are, unless yeah. you're like Les Crowder and I, and we're just kind of, for the most part, we're fairly open and we just kind of, you know, If there's a lock on it, that
1: helps a lot. Uh, Right, well, and that is that is actually a lot of times the bigger thing too. If you've got bees that are out in the middle of nowhere where there's not somebody physically living there and there's Mm -hmm. no surefire way to keep people in or out, you don't want to openly advertise, hey, there's a bunch of colonies out here that are completely unguarded, you know? So, So I did give them that caveat from that perspective when people said, I will come help and they were like, no, no, it's okay. But the way that it read was so lighthearted based on the situation. It still consistent. didn't seem to like, match. Oh, it fine. was yeah, it was very just, oh, it's fine. I got it. It's no big deal. Well, if it's no big deal, why are you telling me I ain't getting my bees? Like it's right. either a big deal and you lost all your shit, or it ain't exactly. a big deal.
0: <laughs> it's not computing. It's not computing.
1: Yeah, it's not adding well, up.
0: To to come back to the um the previous mention with the people that sell bees. Basically, yeah, you need to set up the right expectations. And it is an agricultural product that is subject to weather and and forage and can be delayed, just like crops can be delayed or there can be fewer than them. So I think that if you put those expectations into the description of the product and say, look, I mean, we're going to do our best, things happened, we're farmers, Uh, then that makes it a little bit, you're, you're aware that you're taking a little bit of risk when you get refunded yeah and i think yeah. that's a better way to kind of uh, mitigate those kind of issues because they do come up and that's so that's normal but set the right expectations at the very least and and on the pickup dates tell them look the pickup dates might be pushed back if we need to just know that's the case
1: yeah and it also helps if you are the seller to stay in communication with your mm-hmm. customers The customer should not have to track you down to find out what's going on. And again, I get to do this from a very interesting perspective because I have been on both sides of it. When I first started, I was the new person that was super excited and I could not wait to get my bees. And when there was a huge storm and they were going to be delayed, I was going crazy because there were flowers everywhere. And I was like, no, I'm missing out on all the fun. And (laughs) then I was the person that was selling the bees and mother nature would throw curveballs in there. Sometimes your queen's, wouldn't come back from a mating flight. Well, right. that means that either you don't sell that nuke or you have to raise another queen, which is going to be right. another 16 days minimum just for yeah. her to emerge, you know, like it it just depends on what you're doing and how you're going through and doing it. So being open, communicating that to the client, right. letting them know what's going on, setting those expectations, like you said up front, all of that goes to help oh, make right. it a much smoother transaction. And all of this could be legit. She literally could have oh, yeah. really had flooding at the apiary. There could have been some losses, things like that. But here's the here's the final message that we just got. Well, it's not really a kicker, but it does not help anything. <laughs> so her final thing was, it looks like there actually weren't too many losses, but everybody was knocked back really, really hard. So mainly it's probably just a delay if everybody is still okay with waiting extra time, but I can still refund if needed.
0: The floods knocked them back? Right. That doesn't make sense. They don't contract like this.
1: No. So again, I'm like, now wait a minute. (laughs) Because what did I just say at the beginning of the show? If you've had a long period of rain, all the bees are cooped up inside. They feel crowded. They're going to want to swarm because they feel crowded but they don't dwindle the only thing that could happen is if they didn't have a lot of food stores they could have ran out of food and if you did lose some and it wasn't because they drowned and washed away it would have been because they starved because they couldn't get out of the hive but if you're growing them and manage them and you kind of know hey gonna have some bad weather coming up for the next five days bees are looking light on food might need to give them some you know whatever all of that can be mitigated pretty easily. So, again, I just don't feel like all of her facts of it's her story match. Lacking.
0: It's lacking a little bit of honesty. There's some, and you there's know, some what? Holes. <laughs> yeah, Swiss I cheese. think that um, calling it like it is and, and then reminding people it's a farming product and it's so subject to weather is all that you need to do. Right. You don't need to kind of make up stories and just get, right uh, here. I am sitting there saying she's making up story. But, we don't,
1: uh, we don't know. We honestly we don't, don't know, but it does look very suspicious that there wasn't a peep about anything until she posted an article about flooding that happened in town, which she doesn't live in town. Right. And then all of a sudden we get this message that says there's been flooding at her apiary, but she can't uh, find out for a week or two, which made me wonder, are you even uh, there? Did you just assume it flooded because you saw that there was flooding in the area? Or, as you mentioned, was this just a perfect opportunity for her to unburden herself from possibly overselling and not being able to make as many of the bees and nukes as as she needed? Giving
0: herself more time to split and do things. Now, okay, so I think that honesty is the best policy, and I understand what she's trying to do, though. Uh, the point that I I, I want to get the flip side of this, and as buyers of bees, we need to understand that it puts beekeepers under a whole lot of pressure. And I think a little bit of understanding, even if you can see and read through the lines, and you know realize, well, you know, yeah, she's making some stuff up, excuses or something. <laughs> yeah. It's not quite computing. But at the same time, I think it's it's uh, if in the end things kind of uh, settle back in, I, it is a tough job to try to sell colonies and then try to match the orders that you've been selling
1: oh it did so, absolutely is uh, there's been times before so one of the things that i've done that just murdered me was we had moved a bunch of nukes out to the staging area because they were going to be picked up that mm-hmm. next week mm-hmm. moved them all out there set them all down unloaded the rest of the truck Left did not open open up any of them.
0: Oh no, poor babies! Did you kill them all?
1: I killed 10 nukes doing that all in one fell swoop because, again, it's like right now in Texas, even though it's only the beginning of May, you guys just had a triple digit weekend of temperatures down there. It's hot, and if you can imagine, 10 nukes. All the bees home, locked inside where they can't even that, get out in the An hour or
0: two, you're done.
1: They roasted, they melted inside there. And those 10 nukes, I then had to turn around and make them up. Like I had 10 clients that were coming Resources to get them in a week. that were
0: probably, yeah. That's right, Resources that means, that were probably that means I took out.
1: the hit. Mm-hmm. That means colonies that were supposed to be honey producing colonies suddenly became donor colonies or split got broken down, you know, whatever you had to do to make it work. Um, because you had committed to a timeline. Now, I could have also turned around and said, hey, like, dumb me, I had a moment. And unfortunately, it's going to be, you know, another two weeks or whatever. But those are all things that you as the beekeeper and as the seller, that's on you, you've got to make those things up. It was either your fault or Mother Nature's fault. But ultimately, it's your responsibility. And you're the one that has to make it right and make it work. And it can be insanely stressful to meet those deadlines and timelines so i fully understand and if it really did happen i am right there with her all of my support and sympathy i just feel like there's there's so many strange variables to her story that it just didn't jive it felt more like excuses than reality especially considering we haven't heard anything except for this it's like oh sorry you know and i'm like wow so yeah
0: well, the, she doesn't know who's buying the bees, right? So there no. might be a lot of brand new beekeepers, but there might be people that can read through the lines of what's going on.
1: Yeah, yeah, that is that is very true. And I've, <laughs> I have done my fair share of sleuthing um, and doing research on the individual and stuff as well, because, you know, especially the more odd things become, then the more right. curious I become, and I start digging even deeper to try to figure stuff out. Um, so it is. It is kind of an interesting scenario for certain, but we. I see. wanted,
0: yeah, I wanted to also mention that it, it, that's part. of That research that you're mentioning is part of the homework when you're buying bees. Yeah. Okay. You yep. don't have much of a choice when you're catching them or trapping them or or removing them. You don't know exactly what their story is. However, when you're buying bees, it is your responsibility. Buyer beware, right? You just kind of do your research and find out not only what kind of a supplier you've got, which is not a foolproof, right? You don't ever always know. Some people don't have a lot of information out there, Uh, but it's also for people that are, you know me, I'm just kind of trying to do the uh, natural beekeeping, right? And um, I always wanna tell people, the kind of bees that you buy is gonna really sometimes make or break you um, there's a much higher chance of success when you're buying local survivor stock. Yep. But if you don't ask those questions to your uh, supplier, if you don't ask them, you don't have a history on those bees, you might setting, be setting yourself up for failure. There's a lot of poor quality bees out there that are not necessarily adapted to your goals. Uh, some people want the Italians, the commercials. They know that they are going to want to treat, and that's fine, and they're doing it for a purpose. But if you're trying to do the natural way and you don't want to treat your bees, but you go ahead and buy bees that have been treated or, or that from that's from commercial operations, the genetics don't necessarily are not necessarily local. You might really end up having an uphill battle here. And uh, one story that comes to mind is one of our apprentices was um she bought bees from a local supplier uh, that in Texas that you both uh, that you and I both know and she was reselling bees that she'd bought from another supplier well being uh, the assumption was those bees are you know your natural beekeeper everybody that's buying those assumes that those are natural and not treated and all stuff. And then it finds, you know, you find out that your bees died, you bought those bees and your bees died and you don't know why. You blame yourself. You go in and you um, take samples and you send them to the lab. And all of a sudden the lab tells you, well, those bees were treated with apivar. (laughs) And those nukes were, the wax was contaminated with apivar. Right, And right. all of a sudden, what happened is that in itself, it might not necessarily be lethal to the colony, uh, although I, I'm sure this had sublethal effects. But uh, she placed those bees in the field not too far from, you know, it, it was the country. And they must have been some kind of a um, fungicide application or something that something would have that been can innocuous.
1: Be, yeah, cross-contaminated.
0: That didn't come with contaminated wax but in combination with the uh, toxins that were in the wax it had a huge synergistic effect and it created a toxic kill yeah and she lost her bees
1: and the the fun part of that story too is that the individual that she bought the bees from would not use apivar but yes. the person that that individual bought the bees from is a commercial operation that does use Apivar, and you're buying those bees and you're taking a, a basically a 10 frame beehive and breaking it down two to three frames per nuke and then trying to grow that out so you're stretching everything out they've only got to draw two frames and hey i got a five frame nuke and it's ready to go but that wax is contaminated from everything that happened out there in the almond orchards or wherever where you do have fungicides and herbicides and then It's a commercial operation that is buying in bulk and treating all at once with, in this case, Apivar, And now it's in there and it's in the wax. So is that individual that that you bought the bees from, is that person somebody who would use that and treat? No. But again, did you really understand the full story of what they were doing, that those bees were not really their bees? They were simply reselling them and passing them off as their own. And that adds a whole nother level of complication to trying to know where your stuff's coming from.
0: And that's where you, as a smart buyer, you go and you ask the questions from the first beekeeper, but then you're gonna go and call the other uh, beekeeper and ask those questions as well. You wanna dig. You wanna know that those bees are fitting your needs and your goals and that there's no backstory that you're gonna find out the hard way after the fact, right? Cause it's definitely a buyer beware business. There's a lot of things going on. Those Franken nukes uh, kind of are saying just kind of grab uh, frames everywhere, throw a queen in there. uh, And then I've got people picking up nukes that have a queen cage still in there. That's not a real nuke. This is a makeshift thing, right?
1: Yeah. Well, so I I have, uh, there was one year that I ordered a bunch of bees from an apiary that was located in Oklahoma, but was selling bees in. Southeast Oklahoma and Northeast Texas.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I was like, oh, well, they add them for a really good price. And this was, this was when Ken was in his big heyday of like, I want to buy 10 of them. And I'm like, you don't need 10 of them. Um, but we ordered some bees so that we could go through and use them for that whole initial experiment of stuff anyway. And I drove all the way up to East Texas to pick up these bees that were raised, supposedly the apiaries in Oklahoma, but mm-hmm. they overwinter them in East Texas because it's a little bit warmer. And then they had the delivery locations kind of staggered where they would sell their bees at. I all right. drive all the way up there, it was about three and a half hours from Austin, maybe four hours from Austin to get there. I bring them home, I open them up, and there are branded frames in there from a commercial <laughs> yes. beekeeper in Houston. Yeah. And I was like, wait a minute. No, like first off i know that guy and that's yeah. not who i bought my bees from right. so how did his frames wind up in your nukes that are supposed to be coming from oklahoma i was like what the hell
0: <laughs> right and and you you know here's another practice another dirty little secret of the beekeeping industry i'm gonna get shut up (laughs) get out of this but there's beekeepers out there that buy bulk commercial bees from the almond orchard returning with all the toxins and in the wax they're probably italians and and just kind of treated bees and all the stuff and they'll break them down and make those makeshift nooks and give them queens and then you're buying those you think those are local bees or anything they're not it's not because you know they're telling you it is. It's just kind of, it's big business. It's big money. People buy 500, 2,000 colonies at a time so that they can break them down and sell, you know, five times, 10 times the amount of nukes in the end.
1: Because they're getting them, if you think about it, especially in your area in Central Texas, the rest of the United States is not that bad. But in your area, people will sell a nuke for upwards of 350 bucks sometimes. And for $350, you can buy a full size colony. But when you're buying them in bulk from a commercial beekeeper, who's trying to offload all the excess from the season, you're getting them for 150 to $200 for a colony. And then you turn around and breaking that into multiple colonies and selling them, each of them for 250 to 350 each, you're making a killing. So
0: it's the best return on investment ever. So, I mean, money talks, right? And this is what happens. Uh, you end up, it's very attractive to people, just like the pollination contracts are very attractive. They pay a lot of money, but I think it's short. Uh, short I mean, there's you got to keep in mind the possible unintended consequences.
1: Yeah, there's that word again. Welcome to the season of unintended consequences here yes. on Bad News Bees. <laughs> <laughs>
0: The theme for the, for the year.
1: <laughs> well, anyhow, so this was basically just a giant bitch fest. Cause I, I wanted right. to vent and and get this uh, out there because the whole thing just unrolled, like it, it, all unraveled just since last Thursday. So it's, it's, you know, we're still within a week of it all happening You're frustrated. and I am a little frustrated and, and I like, again, it, it very well could be true. It just, the way the information was parceled out and the way it was phrased Makes me think that there was something more going on. That's probably more like what you said, and you know that's fine and all because again, I've been there. I understand, but right. it sucks when you are the customer who's been waiting. In the end, it
0: does. And you're
1: like, ah, so so. Hence, why I now have out like every container I can think of out there for swarm traps. <laughs> I'm gonna
0: get my bees, no matter that's what. Right.
1: Screw you. If you're not gonna give me the bees, I pay for <laughs> them. I go catch my own. <laughs>
0: You probably will have more in the end. How many did you order?
1: I ordered, I only ordered two. So I just have two, two nukes that are supposed to be coming. Um, But yeah. And not only that, I mean, we really need to stop, but they're, (laughs) they're, they're way cheaper than they are in Texas first off, but they're just a four frame nuke. It's not even five frames.
0: Well, that's what they're doing these days in Texas as well.
1: I know, but it's, four frames i'm like it doesn't take that long to build out four frames so where are my bees <laughs> like, so anyhow all right everybody thank you so much for tuning in to uh to this 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 bad news bees episode for the saga yeah. of the bee <laughs> beekeeper um definitely appreciate it hopefully you enjoyed <laughs> my ranting and uh look forward to talking to you again next week but until then be good and don't forget to be mindful
0: Bye-bye. This Hive Jive production was made possible by amazing patrons like you. And we appreciate your support. To all our Hive Jive junkies out there, you truly are the bee's knees.